Welcome back to another Bear Necessities podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and with me again is Reese. Reese, how you doing this week? Doing pretty good. Yeah, definitely, definitely doing good. It's been a, a nice Labor Day weekend. Um, you know, obviously we had some things come up last week. We weren't able to, to get the pod out, but um, we're definitely hoping we'll have to record two this week. And that's because it's a big week. This is the home. This is the opener. It's the home opener. Um, you know, big week coming up. Packers week. How can you not be excited? It's definitely a, a great time. And of course, watching college football this weekend. What else can you ask for? Oh yeah, man. I mean, football is officially back. So I'm a USC fan. So it was back uh, week zero as well. I was not able to watch that game unfortunately because of certain um, events going on, but. I was able to watch this week, and it was it, it was exciting, man. It was exciting. USC smacked around Nevada. Uh, Brendan Lewis, Nevada's quarterback, didn't even know that until I turned on the game. <laughs> uh, old uh, Colorado <laughs> quarterback, for those of you who weren't watching a lot of Colorado till this season. Um, yeah, man, I, I enjoyed it. Did you watch that LSU-Florida State game yesterday? Yeah, I definitely watched parts of it. I couldn't stay 100% watching it the whole time. Um, obviously, Keon Coleman had a big oh, game, the Michigan State transfer down in, uh, down at Florida State. Um, and enjoyed watching what I could at Michigan, uh, of course, which is my college team. Uh, put up a decent one. J.J. McCarthy was on point, like 87% completion percentage, I believe. So he had a good game. Um, of course, Michigan's going without uh, – without Jim Harbaugh, so this was the first of three games. And, uh, yeah, I watched that while I was tailgating, getting ready for – I was actually down in Champaign for the Illini game. So got to see them scrape by uh, Toledo. There was a lot of, uh, you know, rest in peace Jim Harbaugh tweets going on because of how Michigan was treating being without him for one week. <laughs> you would have thought he died. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know – Yeah, well <laughs> – it's the respect, you know. That's the kind of culture that you, you want to have. When know? his cleats aren't on the field, if Matt Eberflus ever problems. gets a, <laughs> if Matt Eberflus ever is suspended, you know, for I don't know, wearing too nice of shoes or being too trendy or something like that, playing too hard a defense, um, <laughs> then I expect the Bears players to do the exact same thing. You know, have some respect. Well, the good news for Michigan is it looks like they have a real solid chance to go undefeated this year, considering Ohio State looked horrible. Their quarterback, I can't even remember well, his I, name, but he did not yeah. look that good. Kyle McCord, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a limited sample size, and because of the way that the the new college football timing rules are, um, you know, a lot there's a lot less plays. Uh, I hate it. At the same time, you know, obviously – I think, too, they're playing a conference game on the road, which even though it's just Indiana, like you should be able to go there and win if you're Ohio State. Like that's supposed to be a, a guarantee. Um, and maybe it was a little bit too close for a while for them. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I always – I would love to say that the Ohio State quarterback sucks, but, um, you know, they always seem to find a way to pull it out. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how he looks. I think the big test is obviously going to be when they have Notre Dame coming up in a in a few weeks' time. or I don't think it's next week. Um, but I know that's coming up for him in the non-conference schedule. That should be a good game. Um, yeah, no, definitely. And it was interesting. Colorado played a huge game. Travis Hunter showed out um, playing both sides of the football. That was crazy to watch. Probably one of the better games of the weekend. 
Yeah, I know. I completely agree. And it, that was really cool. I took it more indicting on TCU because TCU's quarterback also looked awful and their defense couldn't do anything about Colorado, which, you know, I think time will tell whether that's a, oh my God, this is Deion Sanders. This is how good Colorado is going to be type of thing. Or if this is a TCU took a major step back uh, with the talent that they sent to the NFL. And they also had a lot of transfers from that program. They also lost Garrett Riley as an offensive coordinator, which I think is a huge hit and kind of uh, an underrated hit. Funny enough, we're going to see him play uh, Duke later tonight. Uh, we're th this is being recorded on Labor Day, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I I know. Like with Travis Hunter, people are saying, "Oh, he's in a Heisman candidate right now." You know, I he had a great game. Don't get me wrong, but like. I, I hate to like rain on the parade because I'm all for new players and everything, but it just it seems like he might need to kind of specialize at one position this year to win that. I think his biggest drive right now is that he's that dual side of the ball player. Um, but like I don't think you could say he was either the best cornerback or the best wide receiver on the field this past week. So I mean, I think like looking at Keon I, Coleman, right? I think he showed he was three touchdowns best in his athlete debut. on the field though. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, I think best athlete on the field and, and to see what he did over 100 yards receiving also got that pick, which was a great like diving play. Um, you know, he's definitely yeah, an athlete nice and you can you can tell Dion is bringing him right under his wing. And, you know, we'll see. He'll be an interesting player once it comes his time to get drafted and to kind of see how people look at him. Um, but, for, but for sure, he seems like someone that's going to end up somewhere in the league playing something i'd assume it would be a corner or somewhere in the secondary um but that'll yeah. be interesting to look look out for dylan edwards too on colorado like my god had what four touchdowns i mean yeah I, I think like what you're saying like probably indicting on tcu's defense but oh my goodness the man went absolutely off so yeah no it was crazy um and you know of course always the, the week one overreactions but you know that that comes with it. We'll we'll see the same thing when uh, NFL kicks off this weekend. I'm sure there's going to be a couple stunners and you know teams that pull upsets and people are going to think that teams are absolute crap or that they're way better than they actually are, and th and that just comes with the territory of week one. Yeah. Yep. I, and that's what I love about week one is like there's so many teams. Like for instance, I know we have some probably some Nebraska fans on this podcast that. The second their team hits the field, all the smoke that they're they're drilling up in the offseason, they're like, oh, my God. Like, I kind of feel like it was us Bears fans back in, what was it, 2019? We're, talk we're talking all that smack. And then to the first game of the season, we're like, oh, God, this is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. I, if I was Nebraska right now, Colorado's the last team I'd want to play <laughs> in, in your week two. I mean, no, I, that's tough. It's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. Yeah, it, it's going to be definitely two teams with two totally different emotions at the moment. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how it goes out. It's going to be interesting for Nebraska. It's going to be a lot, a lot of eyes on that game for sure, too. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I feel I, like maybe they'll be feeling the pressure. I didn't know this either, but did you know that? So, you know, how there's like this new like Panthers um bears beef brewing on like twitter yeah, of course okay yeah. i didn't know this but apparently the exact so the panthers fans there have also been beefing all off season with nebraska 
Nebraska rule. <laughs> yeah, there's a huge. I didn't know this, but apparently there's a huge beef between Nebraska fans and Panthers fans. And I, I saw some commentators on Twitter being like, "This is the most hilarious beef ever spawned in football." Yeah, imagine beefing over Matt Rule. I mean, no slight to him, but that, that's an interesting reason to start a beef. Um, but you know, you know, in these days on Twitter, you can't discount anything. So, absolutely not. Also, I don't know if you saw Austin, but we we did receive a review. So, oh, we did. Wanted to make yes. Um, I actually do have it pulled up. You Um, you read it off this time. Perfect. Yeah, left on August twenty third. So I think just after our last podcast, someone harkening back to the old days. They got the the truth football name. Uh, but they said five stars been here from the beginning. And these guys are awesome and funny. Got the podcast going since 2019. One of my favorite podcasts. So there you go. Can't hate on that. Um, definitely appreciate the review to whomever. Um, but yeah, definitely keep them coming. Uh, appreciate the support and definitely love to hear that. This, this, uh, this podcast has, uh, actually survived two presidential terms already. So, uh, yeah, you know, this, this was, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. If you live your life via C-SPAN. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I appreciate that review again, guys. We, we really, really appreciate five star reviews helps us substantially. Um, if you guys are listening on Spotify, cause about 35% of our listeners listen on Spotify, which I also, you know, I like Spotify's listening program. You can leave us a five-star rating review there and on Apple podcasts, Apple podcasts actually gives you the ability to type up a review. Those are what we read off. But I saw that this past week we got like three new reviews on Spotify. So I guess our Spotify rankings must be going up, you know? So thank you to yeah. all of our Spotify fans. I am actually a uh, religious user of Spotify. I'm anti Apple Music, um, but I, oh. know, I, I wow. do have to say I, I do utilize Apple Music. Currently. Oh man, um, I don't know, man. I, I do feel a little bit like I'm an Android user versus iPhone user in this debate, even though I am. An, like you know how Android. Well, user once you got like, locked in the spot, if you locked in the Spotify, like what, like three years back or four years back, it's because been of like course, like for me. <laughs> yeah, well, then, like, it doesn't really make, like, once you're loyal to one of them, like, there's no reason to really kind of switch over. Yeah, no, just, uh, again, appreciate all you guys leaving your reviews. If you write something, we'll read it off on the podcast. Um, yeah, we, we really appreciate it. And one one last thing about LSU, Florida State, because I just got to make make mention of this. To me, LSU all, all season, all off season was the most overrated team. Like, I, I just didn't. To me, Jaden Daniels isn't that great of a quarterback. You know, I I know he's like a good quarterback, right? But like in terms of like the really good college football quarterbacks, I think sometimes he's incorrectly lumped in with some of the better. Like even talking about, for instance, Jordan Travis, right? Right. I, I don't see them being equivalent. Uh, you know, obviously Jaden Daniels offers something more with mobility, and he's very special there. But I don't know, man. I just, I've just even since he's been at. Uh, Arizona State I just never really was like this guy's a guy yeah yeah I right I'm with you I think that he's good I think that if you have a special team around him then you know you can certainly elevate him in the way that he plays Uh, but he's not going to do the opposite he's not going to bring bring everyone else up and I think that LSU as always has some great talent Um, and I think Brian Kelly you know taking bias out of it is is a fine coach but 
And, yeah, I, I think uh, that the you know, I'm I'm in favor of uh, execution. <laughs> maybe maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Classic Brian <laughs> Kelly moment. <laughs> that that one was circling, uh, definitely circling social media after that performance. I, I saw that a few times. Oh really? Um, so yeah, <laughs> I did see it for sure. Um, that's probably how he's feeling too. That was definitely. Well, he came out and said that, you know, we're not the team that we thought they were or something yeah. like that. You I know? would never admit that. <laughs> As a coach, you should never Especially admit. after week one, you know. <laughs> like, you know, maybe if you start out like one and two, you know, and you're expected to go, you know, potentially maybe contend for the playoff based on what the media was saying. But, yeah, tough start for them. I mean, they're going to have to run the table if they want to want to make it all the way. Yeah, and they, they play some tough teams, too. Um, but yeah, even just thinking about the playoffs, I mean, I, to me, Michigan's a shoe in, especially with how I feel Ohio State might be. Hope there was so. some, there was some comments there. Uh, they're like Ryan Day without, uh, <laughs> without an elite quarterback. And who was that one heavy Notre Dame coach? Oh, that was Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was such <laughs> a good me. Um, but yeah, and then you know, I just, I don't know. I feel like Georgia and Michigan are just locks right now, and then. You know, I think Florida State, USC, Washington, those are kind of the teams fighting for those last playoff we'll spots. We'll see what Alabama can build, too, throughout Bam, the yeah, season. Bama too. Yeah, Bama, too. We'll see. I think that, obviously, there's a question mark of, of what Jaden Milrow can do. Um, but we'll see. They got they got some bold – they got a bulldozer of an offensive line there. Um, they already said they're going to be playing that, that murder ball. So it's just – it's not going to be pretty on the eyes, but the base yeah. is going to be tougher than you. All right, let's talk about the Bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, hope, hopefully you guys like college football because, um, you know, I view college football. I used to, you know, when my team was bad, I would still watch college football even to just, you know, kind of see what's going on for NFL coming up, see the good players. Obviously, Jared Verse, I was definitely watching last night, Kai Wingo. And then, uh, you know, obviously, uh, God, I'm blanking on his name, but the other uh, stud defensive tackle for LSU wasn't playing last night because of suspension by yeah. Cam. Oh, God, I, I, I don't I'm, know. I'm blanking. Mason yeah. Smith. I'm blanking on his name right? too. Yeah, Mason Smith. That sounds right. Um, yeah, and Jared Verse. So you know, even if you're just watch college football, even if it's just to kind of prepare for the Bears draft next year. Um, but the Bears did have some news, so let's go into it again. Tevin Jenkins, Doug Kramer, both injured, both on injured reserve. We have not talked about this yet, man. What a hit. I mean, Tevin Jenkins yeah, shot first, the knee. first getting injured, like that. I hate to say this, but it completely makes you rethink how you view Tevin Jenkins as a piece for this long term future of this team. Yeah. No, I mean, like, unfortunately, we've, we've been down this road before with Tevin, um, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be the last time. Unfortunately, when he's out on the field, he plays great, um, you know. Probably unless Darnell Wright, you know, may take some massive steps this year. And it looks like he's poised to have a great career, but unless he really just plays out of his mind, you know, it seems like at least he's the best player on the offensive line for the season. Um, definitely a hit to take him out uh, for the start. At least four weeks, correct? Because he's currently, yeah, like, that's kind of how the rules are. They always, always updating. Yeah, NFL's always updating it. Um, but it's definitely going to hurt. Hopefully, I know that the Bears. 
you know, made some signings to, to add some reinforcements along the line. Um, and then also, you know, currently have other players there like Lucas Patrick and, and such forth that can, can go out and perform, um, you know, hopefully well, <laughs> but it definitely, it sucks to start the season out on the back foot, especially on the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Doug Kramer, that was the other real hit there to me. Cause all we were hearing about was him potentially, you know, and he had a good preseason, Looks like he was kind of poised to maybe step in there. Obviously, Cody Whitehair, as you just said, going to left guard. Uh, step in there and be that center. And instead, gets injured again in the preseason, which is not not good. Because this is he hasn't even played a real game yet. Because um, he's just been injured and injured. And then Lucas Patrick's still healing from injury as well. So you're like, what's going on? And then we see right after, you know, cut down day, Bears trade six-round pick for Dan Feeney. That gives me more hope, but still, it, the center position has been a mess for this Bears team for how many years now, man? Since Kyle yeah, Long? Just since, too many. Since 2019? Like, th- it's it's been ridiculous. And, you know, not, you know, certain Bears fans are coming up saying, oh, we had John Michael Schmitz in our hands. Again, I'm not even going to blame the Bears for not taking that pick because I still am confident in the players that we did pick. But what I'm saying, though, is that this draft, especially with some really high-end center talent coming out like Cedric Van Pran, um, really athletic center, played for Georgia at the highest level, national championships, um, they need to take a damn center this year. (laughs) Like, we can't just keep scooting by, trading six-round picks for guys like Dan Feeney and expect that to turn out well. I still think he's an upgrader over Sam Mustafer, but, like, dude, come on. Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting, you know, 2022 draft, I don't think was quite as good center wise as it was this past year, but, you know, both the years that, um, that, uh, yeah, polls has been a general manager, you know, besides taking a player like Doug Kramer, um, has relatively passed over like the top tier center talent. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward. It seems like something that, that needs to be addressed, you know, this coming off season, um, unless they end up making some kind of mid-season move, which you usually don't see with centers. So, you know, this upcoming <laughs> off season, they, they got to do something about it. Ultimately, it's just they got to find some because I think the stat is something like that, like for no longer than like two consecutive seasons have they had like a, the same center, like dating back to probably I think Olin yeah. Fruits or something like that or at least something planned. ridiculous. Or at least plan to have the same center because right. we had Sam Mustafer for two years in a row, but he wasn't the like star like the starter. He wasn't supposed to be the starter week one. It's supposed to be Lucas Patrick. Then he gets injured. We just can't. Like, and this is kind of more of a testament to overall, just like the NFL. Keep in mind that so much of who plays in that final dance, the Super Bowl. Is just based on injuries. It's it can be so incredibly random, and that's why teams that normally like go all in. I mean, it's typically pretty rare to see them in in the Super Bowl multiple years in a row. If you're going all in, when you go all in, it's such a risk, and it's even most of the time it doesn't work out. I mean, look at the for instance yeah. the Bears. You know, we went all in, it didn't work out. The best way to win a Super Bowl is to be consistently good over a long period of time. And, you know, looking at teams like, for instance, the Chiefs, the Eagles, like these are teams that Patriots for a while, they don't tend to go. You could say that the Eagles went more all in, right? But they they didn't sacrifice draft picks. They had two first-round picks 
last year. Yeah. Like it's right. It's about making smart moves, being good for a consistent amount of time because being in the Super Bowl is random and you just got to hope that your team doesn't have injuries. Got either, Obviously, there's things that you can do, right? Maybe don't draft a guard that has, you know, nagging back issue. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, that dates back to last regime, unfortunately. Yeah. But, and, and at the time, we were hyped for the pick. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to hate on what, it. He, he's a stu- yeah. he looked like a stud. And he's been playing at a very high level in the NFL, too. It's just a matter of staying on the field, which unfortunately is equally as important. I mean, I talk about the you know, most important you know attribute is availability, you know, yeah. being able to be out there on the field, which unfortunately for Tevin Jenkins just hasn't worked out. Um, you know, each season's been interrupted at some point, whether it be later down the line or, you know, this season, the beginning of the season. So it's unfortunate. Unfortunately for the Bears, they got to find a way to, to put it all together just to build off a little bit before we can move on on Dan Feeney. I think that as far as replacing a left guard, I think that was a great pickup. He has kind of played all along the interior offensive line, left guard, center, um, and the least amount right guard. Um, but it seems like left guard where he's taken the most snaps, he's been the most successful. Uh, so it seems like he should step in there, um, be able to be able to contribute, and uh, hopefully, you know, just be a stopgap and then some great depth down the line. Well, my question is, is like, okay, so is he playing left guard? Is Cody White here moving back to I would, center? I don't know if that question's been if that question's been answered, then I missed it. So. Because here's the thing: is like, I'm not I'm not always in favor of switching two players to solve one issue. You know, I I do think that consistency matters on the offensive line. And like, you know, just not even thinking about Cody Whitehair, thinking about Braxton Jones, who has this familiarity with Cody, you know, not Cody Whitehair, with Tevin Jenkins, right? He's already having to pass guys off. You know, he's trying to figure, gauge that. And then you all of a sudden, okay, switch that up. And then you're also switching it up on, not that Nate Davis has been able to take any meaningful snaps in practice. So maybe I'm over emphasizing this issue but anybody playing right guard they're like okay i'm used to playing with the center this is how he kind of operates and now you're switching that up as well someone raised a good point that cody whitehair did have a slight hand injury during um camp i believe or was it a, i can't remember if it was a preseason game or camp but they were saying okay that could potentially be the reason for him moving to left guard if that's the, because he can't snap the ball and if that's the case okay yeah. that makes more sense But yeah, I I agree. I think that if Cody Whitehair was your center all of camp and that's who Justin Fields has been taking snaps from all of camp and that's who, you know, your right guard has been playing, playing with all of camp. I mean, let's just, you know, leave it as it is. Put Dan Feeney in at left guard. Either way, I think we're going to be, you know, it's going to be a struggle till we get Tevin Jenkins back. It's not going to be perfect. Um but I will say that Dan Feeney makes it a lot better than the alternatives that were available to us. So at least yeah, we have that I'm, going for us. Yeah, I think that there's certainly going to be some growing pains. Um, but I'm with you. I think the sentiment should be keep everything as familiar as possible um, and don't juggle things more than you have to. And, and you know, hopefully Dan Feeney is that piece able, is able to keep some things stable, uh, at least in the in the short term period here. Yeah, I want to make two comments on um, a couple players cut before we go into a claim that I liked. Um, 
you know, Travis Gibson, Kendall Vildor cut. You know, I think some people are surprised by Tevin, uh, Travis Gibson. I think that's an amicable split. I think he's going to be better off with the Titans um, than I, I think he was with the Bears. It just seems like he really wasn't a scheme fit for us. Terrell Lewis also cut. That one I had more more trouble swallowing, <laughs> to be completely yeah. honest. Because that was tough. He, I, and I forget who they brought in to replace him. I don't know if you remember his name. I know he was from the Colts. I just didn't see oh, him. Yeah. I, maybe you can pull up that name. Jamie, pull that up. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> the uh, <laughs> speaking of alpha male conventions, <laughs> um, but Khalid Kareem is the man yes. you're looking for. The film that I've watched on him, I, I get it. Like it seems to be uh, how he plays against the run. But to me, it just seems like Terrell Lewis had so much more upside and was playing so well throughout camp. I just can't, you know, maybe he joins our practice squad. I don't know. It did did it come out that he actually did join our practice squad? I don't know about that. I don't think I saw anything. I mean, about like Kareem too, just to build off of that. I think that I think he has potential and I think that the um the attributes and Terrell Lewis, I believe, is on the Rams right now no that's where he came from did he go back yeah i think he's just a free agent at the moment okay yeah it looked like the there were some people speculating he went to the practice squad but it doesn't seem like um he's he joined it so far or um but apparently he did pass waivers so he could join the practice squad but man after his camp i don't know i i i feel uh i do feel for him especially with making that position change he just seemed like somebody that was a lot more exciting than even someone like a Dominique Robinson, which. Yeah, I think that's what bothers me the most. And like, I feel like polls like and, and the rest of the front office have been pretty good on like, obviously not holding on to mistakes for longer or just projects that weren't working out. Like we saw them get rid of Leatherwood. Like they went ahead and made that cut. Like, OK, um, someone like Dominique Robinson, I'm not sure who's making that call. It's just. Hasn't seemed to st- stick. I mean, he had a great week one last year, um, but still had plenty of opportunity to go out and make something happen over the rest of the season, and it didn't didn't really seem to work. Um, and then, of course, in the preseason, he wasn't quite popping off how you would expect or hope. And Terrell Lewis looked great. Um, so we'll see. We'll see about Kareem. I, I feel like with Kareem, he's like the for the four three defensive end that they want is like the perfect body style for what Matt Eberflus wants. Um, but I'm not, not seeing, not, I haven't seen the best from him. I mean, hopefully that changes with the bears and with the, the scheme. Um, but yeah, that, that was a tough one to take with Terrell Lewis. I think Vildor had kind of played somewhat well during the preseason. Um, and then Gibson, like, it just kind of seemed like everyone saw that coming and he ended up landing on the Titans. So, you know, the bears Titans exchange was a surprise to me too. That's, that's what I kind of felt too. I think that was one of the initial ones I had initially had sent to you, um, as far as some of the first cuts that we got reports on. I was like, hmm. I mean, he really balled out, but you know, at the same time, we knew they were going to cut some people. That happens. Like I get all the way down to fifty-three from ninety, um, so there were going to be some players that played well that you know we weren't going to see. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely a few players that they cut that maybe made me scratch my head at least for the moment, uh, but. You know, they, they made the decisions that they made. I still think that I have confidence in this Bears team. 
but yeah, I think as far as a team that was looking for help at edge rushing, and especially in the pass rush, I get that Terrell Lewis maybe wasn't the best in run defense, but you know, it, it seemed like from what we saw with Terrell Lewis and what he could do in pass rush and what we saw from someone like Rasheem Green, you know, just overall, I, I don't know how that quite levels yeah. out, but they decide they want people that can help and run support. At least that's what it seems like. Yeah, and to be fair, Rasheem Green has a lot more <laughs> proven effectiveness in the NFL than Terrell Lewis has. But, you know, I just, I don't know, feel for a guy that was making plays all through camp. Um, totally. My favorite my favorite claim, and, like, I think that this kind of washes everything off for me, Trent Taylor made so, way too much sense. I mean, we talked about this, yeah. not on the podcast, but we talked about it as soon as we knew he was cut because that was a huge surprise to me personally um that he was cut because he's been you know he's not i don't even think he's like the fastest guy in the world or the most elusive but he's just a steady producer at that punt return position and i was like dude we need to sign this freaking guy he's been (laughs) on the 49ers been on the Bengals. just makes too much sense to me um product i think he's like fourth in like punt return yards over the past you know not his average is is pretty great i think yeah. it's like around 15 yards per return which is outstanding yeah um given that you know some of the punt returns are lucky to get seven or so mm-hmm. so yeah. i think that certainly that was a call just for reliability you know he can go out there and get the job done um and just know that he's probably not gonna put the ball on the turf and I think that just speaks to you how low they were on everyone else as far as punt return ability. I know that kind of in warm-ups to one of the game, Tyler Scott had muffed before the game, not during the game, but had muffed some like warm-up punts. Obviously, we saw what happened with Valus, um, which is interesting. You know, it's I think that really shows they have confidence that they can really utilize uh, Valus in other ways because, you know, I kind of thought that his – role or his spot on the roster might be somewhat attached to his ability to punt return but seems like we're not going to see him on punt return and they, he's going to keep his roster spot so i don't know interesting i'm interested to see what they have in mind for him um since that you know he wasn't cut yeah i mean he it seems like he's still going to take care of the kick return um right and and which you know he's been significantly better at than the punt return like not even close to the point that Richard Hightower, who's respected in the NFL, called him the best kick returner in the league, or one of the best in the league, which I wouldn't go so far and say that. <laughs> but he's been good, and he's he showed a lot of production late in the year that made me very excited for Valus. Um, I think it was against the Bills or the Eagles, or I can't remember who, but he had a long touchdown. Um, and then he, in the very last game of the year, had that really cool... And yeah, like, it's a Vikings, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like sidestep uh, touchdown that kind of everyone forgot about him, but he stayed in and and pushed through it. Um, you know, for Valus, I'm just yeah. You, I'm you just see- saying with him. <laughs> I'm saying with him that I don't know if him being like even if he's an elite kick returner in today's NFL, we need more of what you just went through as far as contributions on offense. Yeah. Um, in order for me to feel like he really truly deserves that spot i know it's only year two with him i know that he kind of just had some unfortunate plays um but it's kind of like him and dominique robinson i put in the same boat it's like i need mm. i need more to feel like they really really should be here i mean at least valus has shown some serious upside in one part where to me dominique yeah. robinson has been a whole bunch of meh 
to be honest. Right. Yeah, but I'm like, I wonder just, I wonder if it's any issue at all that he was a third round pick, you know. But this yeah. is just because Ryan Poles is a first time GM, so you know, it makes me how much is he valuing his picks? Like a lot of the projects that he's gotten rid of have been people that have been in in free free agency. You know, he was able to get kind of quickly. Yeah. Um, but these draft picks, we'll see how it all works out. I know that they ended up getting rid of like Travis Bell, who was a seventh round pick. You know, that happens. Like you're you're willing to get rid of those, but we'll see. Obviously, you know, the Bears have belief in him. Hopefully he's able to turn it around because if he can turn it around, he has all the athletic ability to to really contribute to, you know, have kind of game changing plays. And and hopefully that's a reality that hits the season. I just have my doubts. I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, certain aspects of it, it reminds me. God, and I can't even remember his name now, but uh, Amari Rogers for the Packers a little bit. Third oh, round yes. pick, yep. you know, similar body style, play style, just could never get out of his head. I hope that's not the case for Valus, but I think this year will tell. I mean, if he fumbles in some key moments, I think that will be when they pull the plug. But again, you know, we like had our questions Smith on. <laughs> <laughs> he was gone after that one play. We ha- he's on the Panthers now. Funny enough, there was some uh, Michael uh, Michael Rimjot. No Rimmer Rimmer. Uh, he uh, oh man, he uh, he uh, was very excited that uh, Bryce Young had another uh, deep threat going for him. Um, That's one way to put it. Yeah. All right. Let's let's take a minute to talk about the Bills. And oh, again, we're we're this far in the podcast, thirty minutes in, and I still haven't even mentioned what the podcast is about. So. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bears versus the Bills. We're going to talk a little bit about the 53-man roster. And we might make mention of the backers, but just know that we are going to be releasing another episode um, Thursday or Friday uh, regarding the Packers and do a whole Packers week situation there. Um, You know, but this week is mostly going to be about, you know, wrapping up this offseason because the football season is fucking here, man. (laughs) It's here. Absolutely. Um, All right, Bears-Bills. I don't want to get too too far into it um, because it is you know old news at this point. But overall, I'll just give a few few comments. I thought it was a little bit again like a regression to the mean. I think that Justin Fields. I wasn't super impressed by his performance against the Bills. I think he had some questionable throws there. Uh, not that much was open, but I still thought there was some questionable throws. Obviously, the throw to DJ Moore looked awesome, and uh, yeah, that you know that nice. that was great. And I again, I'm not going to get too involved in preseason josh allen for example threw a pick against our like third string i'm not gonna denounce uh you know josh allen because of that but i do think that i was not impressed so much i harped a lot on jordan jordan love all offseason about his ball placement certain aspects of justin fields last performance i thought was one of the the worst performance of justin fields uh preseason just in general and I'm not going to say that that's going to mean anything because really we're playing without scheme here. We're just playing old school backyard football. And we all know that there's a lot <laughs> different when it comes to regular season, but not super impressed uh, by that. PJ Walker, Tyson Bajan, I thought played really good. That drop touchdown, man, drove me nuts. Oh, and then he man. throws the pick immediately missile. after that. Um, still happy that Bajan made the roster. I thought it said a lot that they cut both Nathan Peterman and PJ Walker. They PJ just Walker, resigned Peterman though. 
Yeah, they that was weird to me because they cut him from the active roster and then they didn't even sign him to the practice squad. They signed him back to the active roster, which happens, but that's a little bit weird to me. Um, I don't know what the thought yeah. process behind that was. I, yeah, I'm not sure if there's any <laughs> meaning or, or what that's all about or if they were maybe trying to look or had their eyes on someone else that they thought maybe was cut and then they weren't and they decided to go back to Peterman as thinking he was the best option. Um, so not sure. I know that there was definitely a desire to bring in another backup, you know, with as well as Bajan played, um, just to have a backup with some more experience, at least for the beginning of the season here. Um, so I guess maybe that's what that was all about. I think it was Kyle Allen that threw the pick, not Josh Allen, I believe. Oh, was it? I thought, I yeah, thought I Josh so. threw a pick. I could be wrong though. No, I, I'm not sure. I, we got to rewatch the tape, <laughs> but I think it was Kyle Allen. Um, but at the same time, um, yeah, I think that really what just irked me the most. And I guess what kind of looking forward, if you were using the preseason for, you know, any kind of forecast to this opening game, um, just the sloppiness of the beginning and, and with, you know, kind of some of these players that are going to be on the starting offense, like Nate Davis, like not being available throughout the whole process, throughout all the training camp. Um, well, some of the offensive line shuffling that's been going on and, you know, kind of maybe some of the limited snaps, just the sloppiness, the kind of seemingly like the rust that they had at the beginning of the game. Things just didn't seem to, to click. Everything was yeah. just a little bit off timing. It was the timing that was really the issue. Um, but like you said, that pass to DJ Moore just kind of sat right in the zone. That was perfect. That definitely makes me excited for just what he can do as far as yards after, after catch. And that's exactly what the Bears team needed. Um, as far as just last year, this wasn't enough difference makers as far as after catching the ball, being able to make a big play happen. So, you know, with all that being said, I think that I'm not extremely worried, but I, you know, hopefully the Bears don't get off to a slow start, um, here, here in week one, but, you know, for the rest of that, of course, like Bajan played, you know, fairly well. That pick after the after the drop pass was just kind of like so Chicago Bears. I mean, that's like exactly how <laughs> we knew he was being our a Bears quarterback fan when he did that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the rest of it, I still thought some of the best performers in that game were some players that end up getting cut. So go figure. Um, <laughs> but because I think didn't Terrell Lewis have another strip sack in yeah. that game, or am I missing? No, yeah. he did. Yeah, so, and even Travis Gibson played well, which we kind of knew that cut was coming. But, yeah, it was just interesting to see. Um, and then obviously that led up to, you know, two days or three days technically later on, um, well, I guess two days. On Tuesday led to cut down day. So, you know, I don't think I have any major concerns coming from there other than just, like, we need to start better. Like, we need to be more precise. I'm saying we as if the Chicago Bears team, but the Bears need to start better. They need to be more precise um, because, you know, we haven't seen quite this team dig their way all the way back from a, from a big deficit. You know, if, you know, we had seen or had kind of proof of Justin Fields being able to make like a huge rally, um, you know, then I wouldn't be too worried about how fast they start. But Definitely want to see the Bears at least go down, put some points on the board uh, in the first drive whenever they have it. And uh, I don't know. My confidence is a little low on that, but we'll see how everything clicks. I think that certainly I know everyone went after Khalil Herbert as far as the drop pass. It's kind of clear that he still needs to work on that, but I still think he's the best option as far as getting the majority of the touches at the running back position. Um, so hopefully that can get all sorted out so that he can be a real 
uh, difference maker as far as you know both running the ball. He caught that nice screen in preseason week one, um, but we need to make sure that even on just all the other checkdown routes that you know he's able to bring it down. Yeah, completely agree. Um, and I, I'm excited for Tyson Bajan as the backup. He clearly was the most exciting of all the, of the other well, yeah. two quarterbacks. PJ Walker looked awful all through. You know, we weren't at camp, but I uh, reportedly through camp, and then he looked horrible in the games against second and third stringers. So, I mean, I, I actually appreciated that move from this coaching staff because we had guaranteed money with him. And he also did, he also, we also signed him, you know, to a bigger deal than Nathan Peterman got. Nathan Peterman came back. PJ Walker didn't, even though we owed him the same money. So I thought, I felt like that was a little bit of a message from this. Uh, front office that hey you know a lot of these the guys are the best here they're gonna they're gonna be the ones making the team and you, you know while that might not always be the case when it comes to draft picks like we just talked about I do think it is the case with a lot of these free agent signings um, but yeah man I think we should uh, get into the 53-man roster I don't know about you yeah let's do it all right so as far as quarterbacks go and again this is from NBC Sports Chicago Uh, Since it's been posted, there have been some changes, but I I will kind of walk us through those changes. Um, Quarterbacks, Justin Fields, Tyson Bajan, and then also the addition of um, Nathan Peterman, as we just mentioned. I don't know if we need to comment more on that. I feel, you know, pretty confident in Justin Fields year three. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously I feel confident. I think that this year is a big year for him. I mean, I think there's a jump that I'm confident that he's going to be able to make, especially in the passing game and especially in kind of just being able to get us to, to win some more games. Um, Cause obviously I don't put the, you know, his past record fully on him. I mean, he was on some, some terrible bears teams. I mean, last year was a, it was a very bad bears team. They went three and 14. Um, so definitely not putting that all on him. I think there does need to be a jump uh, this year, but I think that, you know, we can leave that, Hopefully not. Hopefully we don't have to re- revisit that conversation. But if we need to, we can leave that conversation for another day. <laughs> yeah, and the Bears have two first-round picks next year and one of the best quarterback draft classes I've ever seen in my life. So, I mean, the pressure is on him yeah. in that regard. He has no excuses this year. And if he doesn't perform, there's a damn near 100% chance that the Bears will be drafting a quarterback, especially if the Bears end up with, like, a top five pick and then the Panthers pick, you best believe that they're going to be trying to trade up and get a quarterback in this draft. So uh, this really is all on Justin Fields. I don't think that will be the case, but that's something that I actually really appreciated with Ryan Pohl's whole strategy. This off season is like, let's push our assets off one year and we're going to have a lot higher rewards. There's a lot of, there's for sure two quarterbacks in this class that are in my opinion, better than Bryce young. And there could be more than that by the end of the season. Yeah, no, it seems like at the pace that we're looking with some of the way that these other quarterbacks have been performing. Um, and we'll see. I mean, there's a whole wrench in that as far as NIL, name, image, and likeness, and, and oh, college yeah. football now um, with the ability for them to to get paid without going to the NFL. So, you know, there's other wrinkles to that that you can't really fully spell out until we get to January. Um, and they have to decide whether or not they want to declare or not. Um, but as far as just looking at, them all as prospects that could be available looks like that list might grow um so like you said i mean they're you know 
there is that little bit of pressure. It's not like a, a hot seat type situation, but you know, there's certainly the whispers. Um, but I'm confident. I, I will remain optimistic on Justin Fields. Um, but like you said, you know, maybe in week 10, if things aren't going well, we're going to be having a, a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. Then there, there's definitely some high ranking positions that are underclassmen that may not end up coming out in this draft. Like people might think, um, you know, it has to do with market that they're in. It has to do with, um, a lot of different things where the NIL can actually surpass, what they're making in a certain location brand than when they enter the league, even if they, cause you kind of start over when you enter the league, when you're a rookie quarterback, you don't tend to get that many endorsement deals. It's pretty rare. Um, and like there's certain players, quarterback or non-quarterback want to point to a player like Olu Fashanu last year, who was projected to be a top five pick side, so go back to college, presumably for NIL purposes. Um, and I think that we could see some similar things this year, depending on who's sitting at the top of the draft there. Um, but then moving on, running backs, Khalil Herbert, uh, Donta Foreman, Roshan Johnson, Travis Homer. And then we also have fullback Kari Blasingame. To me, this is just exactly what I expected, Reese. Um, you know, yeah. even Ebner, I know he had a, a good camp, had a good showing in many regards. It just, you know, especially with Travis Got Homer injured, and that contract yep abner gets injured too that's a that's another huge thing and i think he did get waived with that injury designation as well um you know i think going into the offseason this is what we expected and that's kind of what we got yeah and i still feel like you know maybe it's not the strongest position grouping on the team but i do really like the way that our running back room is shaping out i feel like they also all have different skill sets um but i think that they all can be you know contributors i think you know, people, everyone was kind of on Roshan's side heading into this training camp in preseason, but I still think that he was winning people over with the way that he played. Just seems like he can really, you know, if you were upset with David Montgomery getting released, it's like you can be fine with it now because Roshan Johnson can do everything that he could do as well. Um, so, you know, it seems like a step up um, from him and having back in the room and down to Foreman kind of just, you know, you know what you're going to get from him in, in his, I think with him, the quality that him and Roshan share is they always seem to be falling forward after their runs, always picking up that extra mm -hmm. half yard to a yard, um, which is valuable. I mean, every inch counts, especially in close games. So I think that this running back room, I'm definitely happy with the way that it all shook out. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Looking at receivers, DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, Tyler Scott, Equinemius St. Brown, Valus Jones Jr., and now with the addition of Trent, uh, Trent Taylor. Again, I I think thinking back to the beginning of the season, this is what we expected. Um, I don't know about you, but no real surprises here for me. I know during the preseason, we kind of got into, oh, should we keep someone like a Darius Fountain? Should we keep someone like, a, you know, someone else? Like started kind of questioning that. And when they brought back Dante Pettis, that added a, a few more questions. Then he got put on IRR. Um I, I think this makes sense. Seven receivers, which is kind of a lot uh, nowadays. Typically, you see it kind of max out at six, but seven, I, I think that's fine. Yeah, and, and you know, it harkens a little bit back to my my Valus Jones uh, point, um, and then having to bring back, you know, having to bring in Trent Taylor, like to be a punt returner who's technically also a receiver. Kind of why you keep that seven instead of six. 
Um, but yeah, not terribly upset about it. I think ultimately this wide receiver room compared to what it was like uh, last year. And I think someone even had like a great uh, tweet about, you know, how the receivers that Justin had, you know, week 18 uh, to wrap up the season compared to what he's going to have week one is just night and day. Um, so the weapons are fully loaded. One, two, three looks great as long as they can all stay healthy. Um, so that's going to be the major key. And then I think also, right, you have players like Valus Jones, Tyler Scott, um, that certainly have that great athleticism, can make some some hopefully big difference-making plays. Um, so ultimately, I think it is rounded out pretty well. And I, I truly think that when it's all said and done, this is the best receiver room we've seen probably in our lifetime, Reese, uh, for the yeah, Bears. Probably. Uh, yeah, probably. Not in all NFL, but for the Bears, which is a very different standard. <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's good. Uh, Tyler Scott, Equinemius St. Brown, Bayless Jones Jr. I think all those players are kind of exactly where we wanted them to be. Uh, even when we were talking about Bayless Jones in the draft last year, you don't want a player like Bayless Jones ideally isn't your starter on your team. Um, Tyler Scott, again, yeah. similar situation. Equinemius St. Brown, similar situation. But all these players can contribute in a meaningful way, um, which was pretty much all these depth players at least, which was pretty much never said during the Matt Nagy era. Um, so yeah, I think that's yeah, good. There. No big difference. And, and certainly the, the position group that had took by far the biggest leap, uh, this off season, well that and linebacker, but you know, yep. wide receiver, especially. Yep. Tight ends, Cole Komet, Robert Tanyan jr. And Mercedes Lewis, uh, only three on the roster. This was a little bit of a surprise to me because I feel like throughout time, you know, Matt Nagy having what 11, <laughs> 11 tight ends at one point in training camp or whatever that was. Um, you know, uh, the Bears typically in the past have had more tight ends. Three seems a little light. And I feel like the whole reason for this is because we've added seven to the wide receiver room. Still want to keep four, five if you consider our fullback. Um, in the running back room. So, you know, all these players, I feel like this position again, the probably depending on how good Cole Komet is one of the best um, in, in, in our lifetimes for the bears. Yeah. I think that overall, it's really solid. I like the Cole Komet Tunyon, I think was a good addition uh, from free agency. Mercedes Lewis, I'm curious to see what role he ends up playing. I mean, obviously he's, you know, probably most proficient as a bot blocker at this point, um, which of course the the Bears value. But yeah, I'm interested to see what role uh, he ends up playing as far as that spot that he's holding down. Um, it is your third tight end spot, so even when you're playing like you know 12 personnel or something like that, obviously Mercedes Lewis won't be on the field unless it's you know giving a breather to Cole Komet or Tunyon. Um, at the same time, you know, just curious to see how that shakes out. Absolutely. Looking at the offensive line, we have Braxton Jones at left tackle, Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, Nate Davis, Darnell Wright, Tevin Jenkins, who's on IR now, Jatiri Carter, Larry Borum, Doug Kramer, also on IR. And then we also have the addition, of course, of Dan Feeney. Um... You know, I like, again, the starters, and when this is all healthy, I think it's a, a, a half-decent, you know, formidable offensive line. My concern right now is that Larry Borum is the only tackle, backup tackle on the roster right now. And to me, I'm like, okay, 
that could cause some issues. <laughs> Typically, you want two <laughs> backup tackles. Uh, <laughs> I just don't even know what to say there. Maybe that's signaling that a move might be made somewhat soon. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what it's signaling, but I agree with that. I think that having him as the only backup is interesting. And, of course, like you have to make some sacrifices you know, on the roster, You know, getting down to 53 men. Um, I, I feel like that's far less than optimal. But like you said, I mean, with the injuries we've had along the interior offensive line, we're kind of bloated as far as, you know, guard position and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the way that it shakes out. So we'll see. And, and things change throughout the year. I mean, we could see some of these depth guys certainly get, get dropped or released um, and, and get filled in with someone that maybe is a backup tackle. And hopefully we don't have to cross that bridge. Hopefully Darnell Wright and Braxton Jones stay perfectly healthy. Um, I think Larry Borum was a little bit of a pleasant surprise in preseason. At the same time, I don't want to have to depend on him too much. Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. All right, moving over to the defense, starting at defensive tackle, Justin Jones, Andrew Billings, Javon Dexter, Zach Pickens. Again, not a lot of surprises here. Um, again, this is a little bit of a leaner position group that we've chosen to go with, but we do uh, we did bring back um, some players on the practice squad as well to kind of help fill in here. Um, but yeah, just going with kind of the guys we all know. Um, this position group, I... I think that there's a lot of upside baked into it, but I, I do have my concerns. Of course, um, Andrew Billings I think has shown up to be pretty good. Justin Jones flashed a little bit last year, and then Javon Dexter really stood out during the preseason. Zach Pickens I'm again a little bit lower on, but we'll see where that goes. Yeah, it seems like there's definitely going to be a rotation here. Um, you know, as far as getting Dexter and Pickens involved, and I think with Billings and and with Justin Jones especially, we kind of really know what they are. Um, and, and with Dexter especially, but also, you know, Zach Pickens, I think that, you know, certainly we want to see what they can become. Like you said, that potential is a little bit baked in there as well. So I'm not, you know, I don't feel terrible about this position grouping at the same time, far from elite, but hopefully it can grow and develop throughout the rest of the season. I was down and then I just felt a 300-pound guy, you know, come, come on the back. So I'm like, pause but right. <laughs> um justin fields everybody um defensive ends yannick nangakwe demarcus walker rasheem green dominique robinson and now the addition of khalid kareem instead of terrell lewis who initially made the 53-man roster um you know, I I'm not gonna I'm 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 gonna be positive here. I feel good about Ningakwe and Walker, um, and I think Rasheem Green really being that rotational piece. I think that could work. Clearly, the absence, as with the defensive tackles, of that clear number one pass rusher. Even though Yannick has gotten you know eight sacks in pretty much I think every season since he's been in the league, he's going to be productive right. for us. And this is going to be let me not let me not be too negative. This is going to be a huge upgrade over last year. However, right. the upside no, is that's still for certain. Yeah, I mean, like last, I mean, last year was literally rock bottom. <laughs> so you can't really get much be worse. To, your strong safety yeah. led your team in sacks. Right. I mean, ultimately, it's it would be 
ver- almost impossible <laughs> to do worse. Um, but I mean, I guess leave it up to the Bears not to be negative. But at the same time, yeah, I don't think we're going to have quite that issue. I think we will see a step up. Demarcus Walker, Yannick Ngakwe, I think certainly leads that step up. Um, and as we work down the depth, you know, we'll see what they can necessarily can contribute. Of course, it's big in the NFL now to have a rotation along the whole defensive line, but especially with edge rushers, um, keep everyone fresh. It's certainly something that's become more and more prevalent. Um, but I do think that Yannick Ngakwe, at least it gives me some confidence that he will be solid. Um, if he can just at least provide that eight sacks, but if he could do a 10 or 12, that would be huge for this defense. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think with Demarcus Walker, It'll be interesting to see. I think that certainly when we initially made that signing, I was definitely pleased with it. Um, I'm definitely going to take that same mentality into the season. So I, I feel better about it. I still feel like it's certainly one of the weaker positions on the team. Um, but, you know, compared to what it was even prior to Yannick and Gakwe getting signed, you know, feel a lot better. I think ideally when we're moving forward, obviously to Marcus Walker, and of course there's guaranteed money on this, like that changes things. But uh, or the, it's not completely all guaranteed, but I think at the end of the day, Demarcus Walker, the the coaching staff is looking at him to be our long term like swing defensive end, um, and also right. like rotational guy because he can go pretty much any position on the defensive line, which is really impressive. I think what I love the most about these two starters we have is Yannick has really shown the ability to take on a leadership role. And even he was helping um, after camp one day kind of coach and mentor Javon Dexter. And you saw um, Dexter try a few cross-shot moves in the preseason. Like, it clearly made a difference. And Yannick's also quick off the snap, which I felt like could have potentially helped Javon Dexter in terms of figuring out that consistency. That was one of the most... Things I was pleased the most with when it comes to this offseason, Trevon Dexter from preseason week one to preseason week three was a lot quicker off the snap. Um, He was firing off at a better angle, making contact more. Again, getting away from that read and react scheme. Still going to be a work in progress. I'm not expecting a whole lot from Trevon Dexter, but I still see him like my my vision of where he could be in the future has completely changed over the series of three weeks. Um, And then Demarcus Walker, I mean, He's a high energy guy, man. He's really like an alpha in the locker room. Um, I think Bears fans are going to grow to love him, to be completely honest, if they don't already. But he he's an alpha man. Yeah, I, I think that, like you said, I mean, it's good to have like veteran experience. I mean, Demarcus Walker had you know a pretty good year with Tennessee last year too, like all things considered. Um, and Yannick and Gakwe, I talked about the kind of like returning production, the consistent production that he can have. Um, and I think even too, like to bring it back to a past regime, you know, what they did with Robert Quinn, like you said, being able to coach up some of the younger guys. I mean, the whole team is pretty young. I mean, it's like Mercedes Lewis is the one that kind of throws the whole yeah. average off. Like he's certainly the outlier, but, um, yeah, those players equally as much as what they do on the field, what they're doing in practice can certainly elevate someone like Javon Dexter's game up. I mean, Zach Pickens, I think has kind of seems maybe like a little bit less of a project, but certainly has a lot to learn, certainly has some room to grow. Um, and, and, yeah, that would be a great kind of side benefit of all of this, aside from the production on the field, um, is to be able to develop them to be the best player they can be. 
Um, yeah, I mean, good good noticing that as far as the cross chop. I know certainly we saw some clips from training camp that featured that as well. Um, and I think that I have turned around Ben Jaron Dexter. Obviously, he has some things to prove, but I think that um, as far as if he can really you know learn that role well, um, then you know he's certainly gonna be a player that'll be worth of that second round pick, and I think even more. I would love if um, I I would really love if Yannick Ngakwe could end up earning himself like a second contract with this Bears team because I really feel like he has the opportunity to be a really good you know mentor for a young pass rusher um, you know maybe a Jared Verse be very happy with that yeah, yeah. well I mean uh, kind of like yeah. the role that you know Brandon Graham plays or kind of still is playing on uh, yeah on the Eagles you Philly know? yeah. Very yeah. long, like tenured player for that team, um, with a lot of young, you know, especially on the edge, but even just across the whole D line. I mean, that kind of stuff does make a difference. There's a lot to be learned. <laughs> and that one thing I want to add to that really quickly, which I know this is off topic. One thing that's really impressed me with both of the Eagles Super Bowl runs is they featured a lot of the same players. Like obviously there were differences, different quarterbacks, different receivers, things like that, but like one thing that really has impressed me about their their front office and their GM, just the longevity some of these players have gotten. Brandon Graham, Jason Peters. I mean, there's there's countless players, right? Uh, Who's the other tackle right now? I'm blanking on his name, but kind oh, of the one the that they thing. got in the sixth round or whatever. Well, I one. mean, uh, uh, the one that everyone was complaining because of his little like early start thing that he does on all the snaps. Um, offensive tackle. Are you thinking his name? I'm he's trying to remember because they. He's an all pro. He was an all pro last year. Are you thinking Lane Johnson? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Lane Johnson. I thought you were thinking of Jordan Mailata, um, who's their who's their left no. tackle now. Um, but I mean, I mean, just across the board. I mean, <laughs> Jason Kelsey. I mean, like, like well, I mean, all these... what's the big the, the big thing there to take notes on is it's along the lines, defensive yeah. and offensive line. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. I mean, uh, who just went? Whoever went, just went to the Eagles, trying or the 49ers, Can't think of his name right now. Defensive tackle. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm blanking that, too. <laughs> that's what you guys get from this podcast. Um, he was a huge signing, but he had a fantastic year last year. Um. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, their their longevity has been insane, <laughs> really insane. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and move back to the Bears. Linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Walker, uh, Jack Sanborn, Noah Sewell, and Dylan Cole. Um, I, Again, first four expected. I, I wasn't really sure how that back end would shake out. They only went with five la- this year. They went with six last year. Um. As far as Dylan Cole being that last guy, good for him. I I don't really have a a specific feeling on that. I thought Baskerville showed a lot, but I know they got him back on the practice squad, which I think is good. Um, Yeah, yeah, this is, again, one of the the best position groups on this roster. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree. It was Javon Hargrave, by the way, who you were thinking of. Yes, yes, Javon Hargrave. But, uh, no, I mean, certainly the starting group, and I think just really kind of as a whole – um, of course, Noah Sewell has is struggling with a bit of an injury, um, so you know we'll see how that shakes. I don't know what this current status on that is, but I know that was a well. He's not on IR, of, which is good. He's on well, the active roster. 
probably why they only have five then. Um, so yeah, I think overall this is a, is an upgrade wholeheartedly. Um, but I think, especially from the starting group of, you know, Edmonds, I think obviously probably projected to be Sanborn. We'll see if, you know, someone like Sewell, um, does get to see some time, you know, in relief or something like that. Um, but I mean, I feel pretty confident in this group and, and really, um, this defense really starts to look a lot better as you hit the back seven. So again, working into the strength. Yep. Uh, cornerbacks, Jalen Johnson, Tyreek Stevenson, Kyler Gordon, Terrell Smith, Josh Blackwell, Jalen Jones. I was a little bit Josh Blackwell, at least amongst like kind of the league special team guys are, is considered one of the best special teamers in the NFL right now, which, you know, I, I, I'm not a special teams expert by any means, but I think that says a lot. That's probably why he made the team. He also did do a good job in spurts, um, you know, on when playing at cornerback. Jalen Jones, I was a little bit surprised um, that Ojemudia didn't make the team above him, uh, but I guess maybe they're going with. But Ojemudia is young too. I don't. I don't really understand the logic behind that. It's got to be a special teams thing too, I'd imagine, but. Kind of says a lot about this uh, this uh, GM, well, I guess front office staff's ability to evaluate talent because both Jalen Jones and Josh Blackwell were, you know, just on the street last year. They pick them up and now they're going into their second year with the team. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think too, especially with even just ability to draft. Um, uh, defensive backs, especially, uh, and when you hone it in on the cornerback position, Kyler Gordon, someone that caught a lot of flack beginning in the beginning of the season last year, but really grew into that nickel spot real well. Um, I think he's certainly going to come back and, and make that position a point of strength. Um, Tyreek Stevenson had his up and downs, but certainly the flashes that we've seen, what he can be, how he can defend, I think was impressive. Um, and of course, Johnson um, is kind of just the player that ultimately we know the most about. We'll see how that kind of whole contract situation with him shakes out, too. I think that's an interesting storyline um, as far as just kind of other things to look out for during the season. Because sometimes extensions do happen during the season. Um, and, all, of course, what happens during the season impacts extensions that happen in the offseason. Um, but, you know, Jalen Johnson is definitely one of those guys that, you know, is looking for an extension. Um, obviously, Cole Komet got his. Um, and then, you know, looking at someone like Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, going to be monitoring that situation. So, but ultimately I do feel like this cornerback room is definitely, um, really good. I was with you with Jones. Like I felt like what we saw with him in preseason specifically at cornerback, non-special teams, um, was concerning. Didn't necessarily play his best, but you know, we'll see. I mean, of course. I thought Ojemudia and I, we had talked about that in previous podcasts had really played well throughout all preseason, but you know, the decisions are up to them. You know, we're not a GM, so I'm not going to, I, you know, and, you know, for a depth corner, I'm not going to go banging, banging on the door. So, um, okay. Looking at the safeties, Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, no surprises here. Elijah Hicks, again, not a huge surprise there. Uh, a little bit of the more surprise was AJ Thomas being our backup strong safety. I mean, he, he made some pass breakups during the preseason. And I just think, again, this is a testament to this front office. Uh, we drafted, I forget what's his name from uh, uh, Stanford this past year, DB. 
Uh, he ended up not making the roster, and UDFA AJ Thomas from last season. I think he played at Western Michigan. I could be wrong, um, but he was pretty impressive and ended up making the team. I know that he's been impressive all through camp. Uh, so again, you know, good for you, AJ Thomas. One of the few UDFAs making the roster. Yeah. No, the Stanford safety was Kendall Williamson, um, which was a seventh round pick. Um, the only yeah, time I, think- I ever saw uh, Stanford DBs was when USC was absolutely crushing their DBs. <laughs> so I, I didn't have any uh, high praises for him. Yeah. Um, and I think even the one that I had maybe even mocked to the Bears, Caillou Blue Kelly, mm. even may have gotten sent to waivers too. I could be wrong. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think the safety group obviously headline there. I think Elijah Hicks, yeah, he earned that roster spot for sure. Um, and with A.J. Thomas, I can't say that, you know, I paid enough attention probably as I should have on him during preseason. But I think that obviously with with um, Jaquan Brisker, um, Eddie Jackson, you know, Eddie Jackson were very familiar with him, with his game, he has to be, if not the longest tenured bear at this point. Well, it's Cody White here. But, you know, Eddie Jackson is right right there with him um, as far as being one of the like, surviving bears from past administration. Um, but I'm expecting big things from him. Of course, you know, the tackling always seems to be a little bit of an issue. Um, and Jaquan Brisker seems like one of the rising stars at safety in the NFL. Um, so definitely feel good about that grouping. See, you might you might even be wrong, Reese. I think that the longest tenured bear, I could be wrong, is Patrick Scales. Or actually, they might be tied. When was Cody Whitehair drafted? Mm, let me see. I have a feeling it's like 2016 or something. Okay, because pa- Patrick Scales has been on the team for, since 2015. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I know you're not really I, big into your long snappers like I am. Yeah, right? I got to touch up on the long snap. 2016 was when. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Maybe you should read up on your long snappers. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I'm blanking <laughs> too on even who the long, like the really long tenured, uh, the last Bears long snapper before scales. Like uh, I would Patrick, not know that. Patrick, uh, something, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, he was there kind of up through the Cutler era and even before that playing with like Olin Krutz and everything like that. Oh, geez. Yeah. But I mean, these, these long snappers, they make careers for themselves, man. They get this need to have a good flick of the wrist and they're, they're making millions. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, you'd think like in college football where the roster limits is higher, like you'd understand having a player that's on the team that's solely a long snapper, but it's crazy in this day and age, even with a 53-man roster that you know we dedicate one solely to the long snapper. But it's an art. It's an art. I mean, it, it does. It's a skill for sure. The old Pablo Picasso of the NFL, Patrick Scales. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's that's it for the 53-man roster. Obviously, Cairo Santos made the team. Trenton Gill, who I thought did a great job in preseason punting. Um, I, I don't know if you saw, but Pat O'Donnell. He got cut from the Packers, so I don't really know what they're going to do. I, I think that they're still looking for a punter. Uh, but that was an interesting uh, shakeup there because they gave him a pretty long-term contract. Uh, another W by Chef Poles, as Twitter would like to say. Um, <laughs> Let him let's, talk, let's, let's take a minute. Let's take a minute to kind of preview what we think of the Packers before our you know, 
before our yeah. uh, episode. Thursday. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to spoil too much. I think that you know, I would lie. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little, at least a little bit nervous. You know, a little bit of nerves. Um, at the same time, I'm confident the Bears are going to pull it out. They really, I just hope that the Bears, I'm not completely scared of Jordan Love, of course, but uh, someone like Aaron Jones can't let him have a big game. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that's going to be one of my key points. They can't let um, either him or A.J. Dillon really have big games, which is interesting. I wasn't, I'm not sure if that was legit. I can't remember if you sent it to me or if I saw mm-hmm. it that they're saying that A.J. Dillon's not going to be offered a second contract. Kind of weird yeah. that it would come out at this point in time. But either way, um, can't let either him or Aaron Jones really take advantage of you. But the Bears, a little concerning as far as the run defense. They kind of get gashed there. Um, so definitely a concern of mine. Obviously, Green Bay, their wide receivers, I'm not going to lie, definitely good. They have the speed there with Christian Rodson. Romeo Dobbs um, certainly has his upside. You know, We'll see what someone like Luke Mus- Musgraves can do as a, as a week one rookie in the NFL at the tight end position. I think that I know you're kind of down on him. I think that he's shown some some great things so far, um, as far as how the way that he's played. But Musgraves, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that overall, we kind of know what you know the Packers' defense is. Um, I think Rashawn Gary is supposed to be healthy, so maybe he causes some issues as far as protection for Justin Fields. Um, you know, Packers defense has some studs on it. You know, I know that even their own fans have their their complaints about Joe Barry. I feel like the Bears should be able to move the ball. I kind of expect it to be kind of close, but I think the Bears should be able to pull it out. Hopefully, fingers crossed, nothing happens in practice that's uh, going to make me change my change my view on that. If this offensive line was healthier, I'd feel better about it, but the Packers do definitely have the best defensive line, even though um, their first-round draft pick defensive end did practically nothing throughout the entire preseason um i mean I won't even mention him by name because he's an I, iowa player yeah I'm not, I'm i'm not in the business of talking about or drafting iowa players if you guys don't know um even though i think iowa had the first uh passing touchdown on the first opening drive of co- like their college football season in like i don't know something like 21 years, years or something or was oh, it no, 21 I thought it was like oh till 2002 God. bro oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, uh, you know, uh, Iowa fans, I mean, I, I hate to be down on it, but, you know, I, I think we got to we got to we got to stop uh, letting Brian Farron or sorry, Kirk Farron's employees children. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like 1999 Kirk Farron's man, you, you did you did your work, but I think uh, you need to do a little bit better than beating Iowa or Ohio State or Penn State every three years to keep your job. Uh, that's just my opinion, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they agree with you because he would have <laughs> been long gone by now. But, um, right. yeah. No, I mean, I, that's how I feel about it. I think that it legitimately should be a close game. Have to remember, Bears fans, you know, hopefully I'm not the first person to tell you, but I definitely – I'm happy if I do let you know that this game is being played in the afternoon time slot. It's not a noon kick, Ooh, so don't expect don't expect to tune in, <laughs> right? Don't expect to tune in at noon um, and watch the Bears play. You're going to be disappointed. So make sure you stay around for the late kickoff time slot at three o'clock hour. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I I think that again, offensive line health is what's impacting my my concern there. 
I, I don't I again I'm not super worried about their offense even against our defense I think that we have enough we have enough offensive weapons that if our offensive line can be halfway competent we should be able to win this game my biggest concern is that what happened last year happens again this year and the Bears come out and have kind of a slow start to the season on offense which I really don't want to yeah. see yeah hopefully not you think here's my little my little question here you think Ngakwe gets a sack? Yes. Jordan Love. You think yes. so? Okay. I think the Bears get a couple sacks on Love. Um, okay. You know he he is he's not the most immobile quarterback, but he he is also not the most mobile. So I'm not necessarily well, con- concerned what he does with his feet. I'm not saying he can't. You know he had some good rushing yards in this last preseason game, but he's not he's no Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, anything like that. So I think. Ngakwe should be able to chase him down, even if it's just yeah. one of those technical sacks. You know how sometimes you get yeah. a sack from like coverage sack. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, probably key that you know if they can make him not be able to have a quick release and get the ball out quick, then you know, I'm confident, pretty confident in the secondary might see a few coverage sacks as well. So, yeah, I hoping for. I that. think what you do is you just take Christian Watson away. Let him let him try to get to all the other receivers. Bracket Watson all game. It it you can, love has a, a habit that we've seen in this the preseason that he likes to force the ball to Watson, and I think that will translate. Take that seems away. to be the guy who he's most comfortable with. And so you know, I I I do like Dubes, but it just seems like love is definitely most comfortable with Watson. And as long as you can make sure that he's not beating you deep, I would love to see. Jordan Love have to you know nickel and dime us all the way down the field. Uh, I don't think yeah. he's he's capable do of doing yeah. that. No, so. I agree. All right, man. Well, any before we we sign off, any final you know before we talk, this will be the last time we talk to everyone before the start of the season, which is Thursday. Thoughts on Lions Chiefs? Yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs on that one. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that. Maybe the Lions will make it a game. You know, no disrespect to the Lions. I mean, I think they're certainly a contender for for the division. I think kind of just about everyone is. I mean, to be fair, I think the NFC North is a little bit open this year. Um, but I'm not sure they have have it all to hang with the with the Chiefs for 60 minutes. So we'll see. Prove me wrong. I mean, uh, might be a little scared if they can pull it off and look in a convincing fashion, not just like the Chiefs playing bad, but if they can convincingly beat the Chiefs, then yeah, I will be sweating a little bit. But <laughs> um, I think the chat the Chiefs will will wrap that one up. I the only thing that makes me worried about the Chiefs not securing the the dub is you know Chris Jones being out. I think that there's definitely some questions on this uh, Chiefs defensive line. Not the most uh, star studded group, that's for sure. I just Very can't true. see, uh, you know. I know, I know that he's done it in his past a little bit, uh, specifically with the Rams Chiefs game. Jared Goff hanging in there. I just don't think the Lions have have it in them. To be completely honest, I think that this could be a, this could almost blindside the Lions a little bit. But we'll see, man. We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Lions have been, especially their fans, have been talking their stuff. So yeah. we'll see if they can back it up. I mean, of course, yeah. a Week One loss is is not going to end their season, but um, especially against the chiefs, but yeah, definitely a big task at hand. All right. 
Huge shout out to Rutgers for also getting their first blowout victory of all time against Northwestern. Um, you guys did it. That was major. You did it. Yeah. Northwestern. Obviously, what no hate doing? for Northwestern. <laughs> They're Chicago's Big Ten team, as all the billboards yeah. would like to say. But, um, <laughs> man, you guys... <laughs> Uh, you guys, there's th- this next uh, this next soundbite. This is the guy you need to hire. Go Tigers! Eddie O, baby. <laughs> Bring Eddie O to Chicago. He would do so yeah. well. And not Eddie Allchuk. No, not <laughs> talking about Ed Ogeron, baby. <laughs> uh, Go Tigers! Go Tigers. <laughs> All right, everybody. But thanks again for joining us, Reese. Any final comments before we go? Man, what a pleasure. Um, definitely exciting moment. College football started up. NFL Week 1 coming up. Like you said, the season kicks off on Thursday. Was there not to be happy about? Uh, definitely appreciate all the support. Thank you for the rating review. And as always, you know, I got to hit him with that bear down. Le- le- leave us a rating review. Come on. Come on. <laughs> We, we, we just spent hours of our weeks making this podcast. You can't spend a second on this rating review. All right, bear down, baby. Bear down. <laughs>